Well, good morning. Great to see everyone this morning. I'm Pastor Kurt Gentry, and I get the chance to help lead here at Renovation. I'm excited that you're here today. What a great crowd, and we're excited for what this day represents to us as a renovation family. You know, this week, real quick up front, uh, we had an exciting week in our family this week. Uh, we had little Jovi Marie born into our family this week. Granddaughter number five, so... Uh, uh, Colton and Summer and Joey, I'm sure, are watching at home or football or something. I'm sure, hopefully, they're watching us. Hopefully, they are. But anyway, we're thankful for that. And uh, I know sometimes I take some time to talk about my family here. But, hey, that's the, ch- the, op- uh, you know, the, the opportunity you get when you're the lead pastor. Okay, you get to do that. So, uh, so anyway, but really, the, the, what's so exciting in the body of Renovation Church and the family of Renovation Church is today we are baptizing 11 of our renovators today. So that's going to be really exciting. That's what's exciting. Well, both are exciting. And uh, so, but you know, this week is little Joby was born and last Sunday night and just excited, you know, we've had a lot of little babies born in this church, as many of you know, over the last couple, few years, and we've got more on the way. And so it's exciting. And, but, but when it's born into my family, you know, you pause a little bit longer because you have more conversations around it, right? I mean, because you've got your children involved in it, so you talk more about it. But one of the things this week is I was contemplating just the whole miracle to me of a child being born. Three questions came to my mind that I hope might be helping us today as we're leading into baptism, and we're going to do that here towards the end of the service. But three questions that as a Christian come to the forefront of my mind, and they might be of help to you. The first one is this, faith versus no faith. The idea that people have faith, people like us as Christians have faith, and others don't is an accepted thought in our culture. If you're a, some type of religious person, especially as a Christian, people go, well, you're a person of faith as if they're not a person of faith, Right? It's a common thing, and I, and, I, and I understand where it comes from, but here's the deal. Everybody has faith. Everybody is following some set of beliefs. However you got them, you're following something. Everybody's following even somebody because they got that information from somewhere and from somebody. So really, all of us are people of faith, and as Christians, we believe we were made by a creator who has plans and purposes for his creation. Have you ever felt like you didn't have a purpose? You ever felt like there was no plan? Well, there he is. But others believe there's no greater meaning to life. No grand design. And we exist not because of some divine intention, but because of some random chance. Not a discussion between people (laughs) of faith and people who don't have faith. If you've ever seen a baby born, and I've been fortunate enough to see all four of our children born, the person who says we're here by chance and there is no greater meaning has just as much faith and belief as the person who says there's a creator. 
maybe even more. The Bible says God has set eternity in our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3, 10 through 12 says, I have seen the burden of God, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human being. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. God has set eternity in our hearts. We believe we are spiritual beings. And the explanation of these coincidences or or these random chants is explained in the Creator. Some fight it. I did for 27 years. Some ignore it. As I said last week, I am convinced there's not the slightest possibility that you can ever fully know yourself outside of knowing that you're known by the Creator of the universe. Not a shot. You'll know pieces, you'll know partial, but you will not know yourself fully unless you know that he knows you. Today's title is Be Bold. And why would we choose the word be bold? Because I believe being bold is when you become vulnerable in your beliefs. When you're so convinced of what you believe that you're willing to go public with it, that you're willing to be open with it, that you're willing to say, this is what I'm, this is my foundation. This is where I'm driving the tent pegs down. And because of that, there will be people who know you, who love you, who are with you that don't believe like you. That's okay. That's okay. You're vulnerable today because some 11 of you are going to come up here and say publicly what's already happened in your heart. It's like a marriage ceremony, right? A marriage ceremony is not the day they fall in love, hopefully, the bride and groom. That's not the day they go, you know what, I really like you. I think I love you. They come that day to go public. They come that day to come go public and celebrate it with their family and friends. And that's what today's about besides following Jesus, Christian baptism. Unconditional love? See, so many of us, I think, would be the second question I would ask. Unconditional love? Kurt, I don't know that that's true because we see in our culture today, if I disagree with you, then you must hate me and you must have some disdain for me because I disagree with who you are and what you're doing. So you have a disdain because you disagree. You make it personal. So when the old saying, and many of you have heard it, maybe maybe some of you have it, and you've heard the saying, well, hate the sin but love the sinner, many of you go, that's not even possible. That's not possible to go, because you hate what I'm doing, then somehow or another you must have a real dislike for me. Unconditional love? you've ever had the privilege of a baby being born and some choose not to, some for whatever reason cannot, and some, some of you haven't reached that point yet, 
But if you've ever had the privilege of a baby being born into your home and a baby being born and you're sitting there, you know immediately unconditional love. Because I'm telling you right now, they ain't earned a darn thing. Have they? They haven't. Matter of fact, they may do, do, do things over the next 20 or 30 years to say, you're really going to have to test this thing. <laughs> Any of you got kids know, even when they rebel, even when they make choices that you hate for them, your love for them doesn't change. But what they're doing you do have a hate for that, and you pray for that if you're a believer. You pray specifically for what that is, but your love for them actually is so tangible sometimes, so real in that moment, so almost where you can touch it, not because you hate them, because you hate the sin and you see what it's doing to them, or you hate the choices and you see what it's doing to them. It is so real, that unconditional love in that moment, but especially when a baby's born. Haven't earned a thing, have they? Unconditional love. And the third question, born? Again? They're born, I get. John 3, 3 through 8. Speaking of Nicodemus, Nicodemus is part of, if you don't know, he's part of the religious leadership of, of, of the Jewish set and, and so the, he comes to Jesus at night in John 3 and there's all kinds of reasons to read. we could preach just on why he came at night we're not going to get into that today but I do want to read this passage of scripture for you and many of you know and heard it whether you've been in church or not since Jesus replied very truly I tell you no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter in a second time into their mother's womb to be born. That's a great question or a great thought, isn't it? How is that even going to kind of happen? And Jesus answered very truly. You know, sometimes when I say, well, just if I'm going to be honest about it, as if I'm not going to be honest the rest of the time, I appreciate the fact that Jesus does this sometimes, right? Very truly. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest with you, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And again, we won't get into all the details because we could different places we could go there. But being born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it blows, pleases. You hear a sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Born? Again? I often use illustrations that you can poke holes in, and that's okay. But I'm going to use one here that I hope maybe helps some of us. Right before we are born naturally, and if everything is functioning hopefully the way it's supposed to, right before we're born naturally from our mother's womb. We know that all the avenues of our senses are not functioning the way they could. But as soon as we're birthed, as soon as we're born, all those capabilities, all those things from the ability to smell, the ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to touch, the ability to walk, the ability to go, all those things, all of a sudden when we're born, 
Now they have a shot at living their full potential. Scripture tells us we were created in the image of God. Ephesians 4 tells us we were made in true righteousness and true holiness. Colossians tells us that it's the knowledge of God that brings us back to what we were designed to be. So when we're born of the Spirit, when we're born of the Spirit, it's not until we accept Jesus as our Savior that we're born again that I now have eyes to see what I couldn't see before. I have a tongue to speak that boldness that I would have never spoke before. I have ears to hear the Spirit that I never could have done before. I have feet that will go to places I would have never thought about going before. I got, I'll put my hands to things in work at things I would have never considered before because I've been born again by the Spirit. So being born again, conversion, regeneration, conversion is a radical restart. It's not just getting a new set of rules that I have to run my life by now. You know, as Christians, they just give you a new set of rules and you go, no, that's not what that is, even though there will be things you won't do like you did before. But it's a radical restart for the purpose of your life. And it's almost as if you're a baby being born. That's how real, that's how raw, that's how complete this is supposed to be. It's not just I get born again in this area where I give a little more of my time, maybe even a little more of my money, maybe I volunteer a little more. That's where I'm born again. I have a spiritual life and I have the rest of my life. No, all things are spiritual. You don't have anything that's not spiritual. You don't have it. What's so awesome about this is this salvation is available to everyone. We didn't have to work towards it. It's not like some Jesus put, like, on, like if you're going to try to hike Mount Everest, can some people do it? Sure, but very few. So if you said, Jesus, that's, that, for salvation, I got to go there. I'm supposed to give up. The way is there. The way came to us. Came to us. Unconditional love. Born again. Scripture is very clear as you read it. That being born again is mysterious, just like he says about the the wind. Can you tell where the wind blows? You can see the effects of the wind, but you don't know where it came from necessarily. Well, you can gauge it a little bit, but you don't see it. You just see the effects of the wind. We're spiritually dead. Now we're alive. I love this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Yes, Christianity is about, yes, it's about repentance, but so much of it, folks, we think, well, would, I've got to, I've got to, Confess my sins. I don't, that band, you don't even know how many I've got, Kurt. I agree, folks. I was, 20, I was 27 years old when I gave my life to the Lord, and you don't know mine either. 
But what I had to do in repentance is I had to agree with God and remorse and a contrite heart and say, God, which way do I go now? I want to obey where you want to take me. I love what Gordon McDonald says about repentance. He said that repentance is the most important single event in a life for a person who chooses to follow Jesus. You get repentance down, the Holy Spirit convicts you, the Holy Spirit shows you, the Holy Spirit gives you an answer to do a different thing, and you respond to that. It's a beautiful thing. Heard before, what's the minimum requirement to to be saved? What's the least I can do to be saved? I mean, I think of that as like me asking Jan, what's the least I have to do for us to stay married? Not a real good question. (laughs) I think you might get in trouble for that one. Just my thought on that, but I do believe. I think a better one is how can I fully lived into my greatest capabilities of being your husband. So when I ask God, what's the minimum I get in on? Wrong question. How can I live into the fullness of what you've designed me to be? How can I choose to do that? Lord, help me, give me the strength, and it's that provenient grace that draws us in, and it's God's grace that carries us on. Jesus is very simple. Follow me. I tell people when I came to know the Lord again, I didn't know what the first book of the Bible was. The root trivial pursuit game right before. I guess I gave my life to the Lord, and the question was, what's the first book of the Bible? And my mother-in-law, which liked to poke a lot of fun at me, I didn't know the answer to it. And she said, it's Genesis. And I, they're laughing at me. And I said, well, the only thing I know about Genesis is Phil Collins is the lead singer for him." All I got. That's all I got for you. Two weeks later, my world blew up. You don't have to know anything. There's been a stirring. There's been an awakening. There's been a reckoning for some of you. Can't deny it. We call it, from our vantage point, theology, provenient grace, or that grace that goes before salvation, that grace that woos you. It pulls you. It doesn't force you. It just woos you. Anybody in here ever been wooed? <laughs> I know in Strength Finder, everybody that's ever done the Strength Finder's test, there's the, there's the uh, strength of woo. Well, I think the Holy Spirit is, it, it's got woo and it's got a hammer too, just so you know. It has the hammer part, the ha- yeah, for sure, but that's okay. But it has the woo. And I've got to be honest with you, I, I really early on tried to do the best. If I read it, I tried to live it. But there have been times over this last 30-something years in me following Christ that I'll read something and go, I don't like that. God will prompt me and I'll go, I, I don't like that. But here's the deal. If I've got fertile soil in my spirit, if I do, and I'm tilling that soil and I'm fertilizing and I'm watering and, I, and I'm doing the best I can to keep my soul where God can do things in it, then, then I will begin, he'll begin to woo me to his side. I'll begin to look at it from his point of view. So if you know you're growing, one of the things I tell people, you know, they say, well, how do I know if I'm growing 
in Christ. Well, one of the things I, I say to people often is spiritual things begin to make sense. They just begin to make sense. You, you begin to do things that you normally would never do. Go, baptism? Who would do? That's a crazy thing. Who would do that? Except somewhere along the way it begins to make sense. It just makes sense. And even all your relationships, all your free time, all your, rec- all, all, all your job, your, everything begins to come in light of your spiritual decision. You begin to look at it differently. Luke 18, the 8, 15 says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Is there anything that if somebody had to, you know, if they asked the question, well, describe so-and-so. One of the things I would love for them to say for me, they're noble and have a good heart. That'd be a good thing to have as your epitaph, right? Who hears the word. So some of you are going to walk out of here today, you're going to hear the word, but you're not going to retain it. And most things I say probably don't need to be retained. However, when I read God's word, I do believe that. Retain it and by persevering, produce a crop. I love the interpretation of the Greek here. Not only is the good soil hear the word and grasp it, but they keep on hearing it. So they get it, they get it next week, they get it a month from now. So what they just heard and what the Spirit just spoke to them, what the Word of God just said to them, they hear it, they retain it, it just keeps they keep hearing it and retaining it and acting on it. But again, one sign of spiritual growth early on is baptism. One of the things we love about baptism is the power of the testimony. We do it a little different here at Renovation Church. I mean, some others may do it the way we do it, but, but often churches I've been at, we do read testimonies of all the candidates who are coming today. And it just excites me to know that you're going to get to hear their story. I'm going to get to hear some of them's story that I've never heard before. If you want to know about people, ask them about their story. We so often want to tell our story, but we probably need to be asking more about other people's story. So today we're going to get to do that. Folks are going to drive a stake down today. They're going to be a spiritual marker. I know the night I was baptized, it was, it was in January, and the heater for the baptistry had quit. So in, our, in, in northeast Texas, when that cold water comes out of the ground, it is cold, but I didn't care. I still like cold water today, so maybe that was where I started. I don't know. But I knew I'd made a decision. I didn't know eight months later I was going to be called to preach. I didn't know that. I didn't know a lot of things. But don't we make sometimes huge decisions without details? Major decisions without details. Anybody got married recently? <laughs> Ever gotten married? 
We don't know all the details, right? We don't know all the details. So today, 11 of our folks are going to come, and are part of our family, and make a public decision, and they don't know what all entails, and neither do I, for sure. But what you do know up to this date, I'm doing the best I can with what I've been shown. And that's what this is about. I love Mark Batterson's statement, and I've said it many times here in his book, Circle Maker. You're only one defining decision away from a totally different life. One defining decision can change your trajectory and put you on a new path towards the promised land. One defining decision can totally change the forecast, the forecast not only of your life but for your family and for generations. That's not all in there, but I'm just telling you it can. And it's those defining decisions that become the defining moments of your life. Renovation, we, use, we have a phrase that we use often. It's called game changer. Life-altering, time stops never be the same again kind of moment. Today, I believe with all my heart that's going to be one of those for folks here. I'm going to ask the band to come on up, just sign them to come on. Well, I don't think you come yet. I think we're going to do that. You coming too? So I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Dana and her crew to come on up, and we are going to have a little time here to hear testimonies, and we're excited about that. Then we will go back and get ready for baptism. Let me pray for us as you guys are coming. Lord, we come before you today. Knowing that a lot of roads have brought folks into this room today. What's so awesome, Lord, is you know those roads. Lord, the quicker we come to the conclusion, whether we're 12 or 13 or 7 or 8, up to 70 to 80 and beyond in this room and everything in between. If, the, if we walked away with nothing else today, that we were just understanding and maybe even convinced that you know us where we are. You know the road that's brought us here. You know the plans and the purpose and the hope you have for us. Lord, I just pray as we listen, as we lean in over this next little while, that, Lord, we will see you at work in a beautiful way. Lord, bless these testimonies. Bless our time. We pray this in your name, Jesus.